Generating traffic and sales can be a challenge for online merchants. But selling on the Walmart marketplace puts your products in front of millions of customers who shop on walmart.com. And right now, sellers who join Walmart Marketplace can save up to 50% on referral and fulfillment fees for the first 90 days. So get started today. Head over to marketplace.walmart.com savings. That's marketplace.walmart.com savings. Welcome to e-commerce conversations, a podcast by practical e-commerce. This is Kerry Murdoch with Practical E-Commerce. Cross-border e-commerce is booming, as is cross-border shipping. But the postage rates among countries for that shipping greatly vary. Merchants in certain countries, such as China, can ship very cheaply to U.S. consumers with rates that are unavailable to U.S. merchants. To explain it all, I'm joined today by Paul Steidler, a senior fellow with the Lexington Institute in Washington, D.C. Well, Paul, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Kelly, it's great to be here. Paul, we're looking forward to visiting with you about shipping, e-commerce shipping, in particular international shipping. Many listeners, e-commerce merchants that are listening to this, they're aware of a program, certainly through the U.S. Postal Service, whereby it's oftentimes cheaper for an international seller to ship into the U.S. than it is for a domestic merchant to ship across the country. Uh, I'm wondering if you could describe that program to us and tell us why, why that is. Okay. Well, I, I believe you're um, referring to the e-packet program from China, um, which is a um, uh, a program that the Postal Service instituted in uh, 2010. Um, that that is really um, to understand uh, programs like the e-packet and why it's uh, why it's. Um, far less expensive often to ship goods from foreign countries to the U.S. uh, than to send goods within the U.S. itself, it's important to understand something known as terminal dues. And that sounds like an arcane topic, but basically it's the international postage system uh, that is in place that sets common rates and common standards uh, for 192 countries around the world. And the long and the short of it is... um, Uh, The United States is classified as a Group 1 country, meaning we're going to pay uh, the most for goods um, that are shipped into the country. And for some reason, uh, through its lobbying at this UN organization, actually, China has gotten itself designated as a Group 3 country, which really gives it a tremendous advantage in being able to ship goods uh, from China to the United States. Um, It costs less to send a package from Beijing to San Francisco than it does from Los Angeles to San Francisco. And this puts a number of U.S. uh, e-commerce merchants and others at uh, a considerable uh, competitive disadvantage. Is it, does does the e-packet program, does that just between the U.S. and China? Or does it apply to, to, can merchants from other countries do the same thing, not just merchants in China? 
it, it, it applies it applies um, primarily to the U.S. and China. Um, it also um, applies to um, Hong Kong and um, and some other um, uh, some other countries. Um, the e-packet program is something that um, has come under has come under uh, considerable uh, criticism here in the U.S. Uh, the Postal Service has been very secretive about how the uh, program is performing, but, uh, for example, an Office of Inspector General report uh, found that it was losing $39 million in uh, 2014, and it's a program uh, that, um, um, because of, which which really mirrors the um, effect of the International Terminal Dues Agreement you can think of it almost as a derivative product of that. Um, just to give you an example of how negative that can be, um, I was speaking a couple of weeks ago with a um, businessman up in New Jersey. His name is Jamie Smaldone, and he has a um, company that sells uh, mugs. And he has had to do some research about, um, um, about counterfeit products that are originating in China and what he has found is that while it costs him $6.20 to mail the product to a different town in the United States, to get the entire counterfeit product with shipping costs less than $6 from China, with the shipping only being $1 uh, of the component uh, through the e-packet program. So there's tremendous cost disadvantages for him. For other uh, e-commerce merchants, and um, it, it creates some very serious uh, difficulties, even business survival issues for a number of different companies. Paul, in preparing for the interview, I've read uh, some articles, and supporters of ePacket, I think, would say something like this. They would say, certainly it hurts e-commerce merchants, That is, that is our audience, of course, practical e-commerce is to help e-commerce merchants. But supporters would say it hurts e-commerce merchants, but it helps consumers in the United States avail themselves to affordable uh, goods from China, and it helps uh, raise the Chinese economy so that the U.S. companies can sell their products into China. They say, in other words, that the, the broader public policy good of helping consumers is more important than a narrower uh, outlook of protecting merchants, I think is what they would say. What's your response to that? Well, I, I think um, that there's, that there's some truth in that, but I, I think that's fundamentally uh, short-sighted. Um, if we take a step back, the U.S. Postal Service, as a result of the um, terminal due system, loses about $135 million a year on international mail. And there's really no way to fix that because this is governed by, a, by an international treaty. So that money uh, needs to be made up by postal consumers. It needs to be made up by consumers here in the U.S. Um, in the form of either, excuse me, uh, reduced service or higher postal rates. Um, you know, another thing I would point out is consumers benefit uh, when there is sustained long-term competition between different companies. And 
If we have uh, cases like that um, uh, involving the mug company that I just referenced, if companies start to get driven out of business because the uh, determining factor is the shipping costs, uh, that is, especially over the long run, not beneficial for consumers. There are fewer um, goods, there are fewer competitors for um, uh, new goods uh, that, that are out there. So, uh, and I, I would also add that the loss of U.S. Uh, e-commerce businesses also has very high costs in terms of lower tax revenues um, and um, in terms of less uh, jobs and prosperity here at home. So, at, at the end of the day, I think what um, uh, folks you know, folks want is a system of fairness where you're going to have the cost reflected in what the reality is to send a good from Beijing to San Francisco or from San Francisco to Los Angeles, that we not have uh, distorted, um, unfair uh, playing fields. If we just level the playing field, that um, will allow the chips to fall where they may and for businesses to be most efficient and, I think, provide the maximum benefits to consumers. So merchants can't, U.S. merchants can't ship into China in a similar inexpensive way, the way that China merchants ship into the U.S.? Is that right? That, 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 that's correct. Uh, it is dirt cheap for China to ship goods to the United States. Um, and because of the fact that uh, China has gotten itself classified, uh, and this gets a little into the weeds here, but as a tier three company under the, um, uh, under the international UPU postal system, uh, they are in a grouping with countries like Botswana, Costa Rica, and Kazakhstan, which means they are going to have more favorable shipping costs. The thinking behind the treaty is that tier one companies like the United States and the industrial companies of the world should pay more of the postal costs, that that, uh, that that should be on them. The poorer countries should pay less. Um, but in China's case, even though they're the second largest economy in the world, and by you know most measures have a very roaring, successful economy, they're being treated like a third world country under the international postal system and getting a lot of subsidies, which um, uh, are coming at the cost of American uh, postal consumers and anybody else who uses the post office's services, uh, and really um, giving them a uh, significant e-commerce advantage. It, so is, is the issue here not so much the international policy of terminal dues, if I could paraphrase uh, what you're explaining to us, uh, Paul, the issue is not so much the policy of terminal dues, it's the classification that China has within that policy. Is that what you're saying? Uh, that, that, that's a big part of it. The terminal dues system, um, the, the, the entire terminal dues system uh, should be looked at. In fact, it's, it's something that uh, began to get developed in 1969. Uh, before the age of e-commerce, before the age of uh, international shipping. Um, but the mere fact that China is treated as a Group 3 country gives it, a, um, it, gives it an enormous uh, advantage. Uh, but even if you were to get China into the uh, Group 1 setting, which would, which would address a good deal of the problem, um, you still have the issue of... Um, 
uh, of rates being uh, unbalanced. And um, I think it just behooves us in you know an age of e-commerce to take a fresh look at how we're going to structure international shipping rates. When will that? Uh, when is how does that review process work? So China is uh, Group Three. Uh, when will that be looked at next? Well, it's uh, it's looked at continuously. The um, Universal Postal Union uh, is actually an organ an arm of the United Nations that's based in Bern, Switzerland. And every four years, they adopt um, a new program that are going to govern what the terminal dues are going to be uh, for four years ahead, and which uh, designate companies into um, different different tiers, different classification. Okay. So the um, the new system is going to uh, kick in. Uh, effective January the 1st of 2018. And there is going to be a little bit of relief there uh, in that um, it's going to cost approximately 17% more to send a package from China to the U.S. Uh, and that that um, increase, uh, actually 13%, that 13% increase will take place each of the next four years. But even given that, the disparities are so huge at this point uh, that it is not um, it is not going to be uh, straightened out um, unless and unless and until there's a bilateral agreement that the U.S. reaches with China on its postal policy. You've explained that the e-packet policy uh, it's it's for relatively small packages uh, for four point four pounds I think it's that's what it is um, which. By the way, I noticed I was looking 4.4 pounds is about what a, a MacBook Pro weighs. A 15-inch MacBook Pro weighs almost four and a half pounds. So it's just for, as I understand it, it's just for that weight and and lighter. It also takes a fair amount of time, as I understand it, to ship goods under this program from China to the U.S. My question for you is, while the policy may be unfair, is it that big a deal given those two restrictions, the weight restriction and the fact that it's relatively slow? Um, the, the short answer is yes, uh, it, it is a big deal. And in fact, under one of the um, attractive features of the e-packet system uh, for recipients is you can track online where the package is going to be. So... Um, you know, if you're going to be waiting uh, for a week and a half or so, you can see if it's in uh, Hawaii, Los Angeles, wherever uh, the package is, um, you know, wherever the uh, package is en route. Um, and I'm, I'm sorry, I, for, I think I uh, forgot the first part of your question there, Kerry. So it's just uh, weight. It's a relatively small uh, weight. It's for... Right. 4.4 4, uh, pounds, if I, or I'm sorry, four and a half pounds. I don't know what the average weight, the average e-commerce shipment weighs, but that's reasonably small. So, given the weight restriction, does that uh, does that provide some relief for U.S. merchants that are trying to compete? Um, it, it, it provides some, but there's there's still a um, you, you know there's there's still a good deal of very um, expensive products that uh, that can be shipped for under uh, 4.4 pounds, 
the two kilogram limit under the uh, under the UPU. Uh, for example, sunglasses. You might uh, be able to get some pairs uh, that in the U.S. would be a couple of hundred dollars, but much cheaper if they are um, if they are. Uh, shipped in that way. Um, a number of electronic parts can be quite expensive, but not weigh that much. Um, so it's the small, higher-priced uh, products uh, that are of the greatest uh, concern. Um, but you know, even the um, even the case of the uh, mug company in New Jersey, uh, excuse me, shows how uh, problematic uh, this can be. Let's switch. Uh switch gears just for a second talk about you and the organization that that you're with uh, you're a senior fellow at the lexington lexington institute in washington dc which is a public policy think tank could you tell us about the lexington the lexington institute and why it is that you're interested in shipping e-commerce shipping international shipping uh, yes, and, and thank you for that uh, question, Kerry. Um, we were established in uh, 1998. Our mission is to uh, inform, educate, and shape uh, the public debate on issues that are of central importance to the future of democracy. And along those lines, we believe that uh, logistics and related to that um, the expansion of e-commerce, which is fundamentally changing the way um, most business is done uh, in the U.S. and the world, uh, is a very important uh, topic to study. So, you know, we issue studies, research reports. We have a number of forums on uh, Capitol Hill and in other settings. And for additional information, uh, people can visit our website, LexingtonInstitute.org. You cited... Paul, the example of the merchant in New Jersey that sells mugs who is who has suffered under the e-packet policy. Could you give us other examples? Can, any other companies come to mind that are incurring material losses because of e-packet? Uh, yes. In fact, uh, the Washington Post did an in-depth story um, about... Um, the title is, The Postal Service is Losing Millions a Year to Help You Buy Cheap Stuff from China. Uh, and they talked about an uh, Internet entrepreneur, uh, former Fortune 500 company executive uh, who was selling boats and toys. Uh, these, these are toy boats, um, as well as a variety of uh, toys and other items online and um has you know his business has been fundamentally uh, undercut uh, by the e-packet by the uh, lower rates from China. Um, the postal service is not able to get currently more than a dollar fifty for delivering a one-pound package uh, from a uh, courier, um, and this you know this has um, uh, enabled the Chinese to make. Um, various inroads, um, not only with mugs and toys, but a variety of different uh, business lines, uh, and really put them in a uh, strong position as e-commerce continues to um, expand at such strong rates. Paul, we have just another minute or two left. Anything else on your mind today? Yes, I, I, I would say um, this, this is an issue that uh, folks should be on the lookout for. 
Um, for example, uh, Congressman Marchand from uh, Texas has um, recently raised the issue with uh, Secretary Tillerson and the Postmaster General, um, asking that uh, they go back to the drawing board on the terminal dues um, programs that are in place. And um, it's something very important to pay attention to. It affects the competitive position of American businesses. Um, it's gotten to the point where it's now on the radar screen of policymakers in Washington. I would just say stay tuned. I think um, you're going to be hearing a lot more about the issue. Um, and it's also worthwhile for uh, merchants to um, uh, take a look at the issue to see how they are uh, impacted by it competitively. Uh, and to learn more about it, and uh, to chime in and just let uh, policymakers know uh, if they are impacted by this, um, how they are impacted. There's, uh, as I say, additional information on our website, LexingtonInstitute.org, um, about the dynamics of this issue. And um, uh, I, I would just encourage people to stay tuned because it's uh, it's a big deal. It's largely been under the radar screen, but uh, it's it's it, it, it's coming uh, out uh, into the public domain. Okay. Well, I've been visiting with Paul Steidler. Paul is senior fellow at the Lexington Institute, which is a public policy think tank in Washington D.C. As Paul just mentioned, that website is Lexington Institute. Dot com, dot org, pardon me, LexingtonInstitute.org. And Paul Steidler, I want to thank you for your time today, sir. Okay, thank you, Kerry. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure and an honor.